millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Mahani Jahangiri, and welcome to Conversations with My Dog. Today's guest is Laura Wright. She is an amazing soprano singer and England's rugby team's first ever official anthem singer. She has performed around the world for audiences of all sizes, including the royal family, and also has her own podcast, Music In My Life. She's a big animal lover, having grown up with both dogs and horses, being an ambassador for the Guide Dogs charity, having her own Springador called Rocky. Now it is such an honor to welcome Laura Wright on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> namaste, namaste and namapa. <laughs> Do you know what that means? Namaste, Mani. It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah. I hear namaste a lot, but not namako. Tell me. It's actually namapa, but namako. Oh. What did you say, namako? That kind of works too, you know. It's... um. So first of all, Nama, Nama is Nama. I, you greet, you greet the person in front of you. You bring the palms of your hands together and you bow in yoga, right? But Nama paw, it's different yeah. because you bring the paws of your dog together and your palms at the same time and you bow. So it's Nama paw. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's so gorgeous. I'm doing this with my hands at the moment around the mic. I'm sort of praying. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm praying. I'm praying all the time. I'm telling you at the moment. What? A- <laughs> How how are you? How are you, Laura? How are you feeling? How's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, I think, you know, there's been lots of change, I think, in my life in recent months. We're in the middle of moving house. And um, as you know, I have a, a daughter as well. And obviously our our gorgeous, beloved dog, Rocky, who's been been through it with us, you know, throughout yes. the whole thing. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot of change, I think, for lots of people at the moment. So I'm just trying to be really grateful for the little things and and enjoy the small things in life and the small wins if you like each day and that seems to keep me on track and and keep me positive but you know don't get me wrong I I have my down days too and I think we're all through Mm. going through these ups and downs together I guess that's what I take from it. I think the whole world is going together through ups and downs it is an incredible collective conscience around us I feel like um we almost have to hold each other because there's so much going on so people you know when I go for a walk with my dog in the park you have chats now with people and you kind of really tap into each other don't you not just the dogs are tapping into each other but the humans too it's like so how are you and they go wow (laughs) do you find that your walks with your dog you know isn't that one of the most amazing things at the moment like the best therapy session 
Oh, I could not agree more. And I think, like you say, there's um, if you go for a walk and you don't have a dog, you, I feel like you're sort of 90 percent less likely to talk to someone. If you have a dog, it's this weird language that then you are uh, just seem approachable to others and you kind of connect with people. And, and then you, you know, the dog might be the excuse for starting a conversation. But also, I think now more than ever, we really appreciate those moments of human interaction because we don't have them a lot. We don't get to hug each other. You know, we don't get to experience that closeness with a group of friends or even family. And so I feel like those moments of, of interaction with other people have become really, really special. They're very special. Um, I had a wonderful chat two days ago. It started at 6 p.m., it was pitch black and it was a couple with a great big I don't know a husky or something and my friend actually my one friend who comes with me for a walk was there with her dog and the conversation lasted for two hours I couldn't feel my toes no way I couldn't feel my fingers none of us but we couldn't stop talking it was outside the birds were singing it was not one of those cold days you know that we had just recently about two degrees or or one degrees it was about it must have been about six degrees but it was a two hour conversation. And in the end, we felt like we need to go for dinner at some time. You know, we need to go, we need to meet <laughs> up again or something. It was absolutely amazing. I found out everything about this couple and the couple found out everything about us. So um, I thought this was the most social event I've had in a long time and relaxed Definitely. social uh. events. It's it's incredible. And in a way, we did want to hug each other at the end. We really felt like a like a hug. It's like, bye, see you again. When are you around again? You know, when, you know, maybe, you know, tomorrow, six o'clock. <laughs> it's crazy. We are <laughs> we are creating our lives as we speak. We are recreating ourselves. We're looking for any I feel like any opportunity to connect. That's what I'm feeling at the moment. Yeah, but but I feel like also, you know, yeah, like you say, even across, like we're talking now, this is so special and it's become more special knowing that you can connect with people. And, and as much as I sort of damn the internet or, or technology and social media for all the flaws that it has, actually, I'm really grateful for it at the same time. And I'm someone who is really into my fitness and, and well-being in that sense as well. And, and for me as well, joining across sort of joining up with people who I know are doing a similar kind of fitness, I don't know, regime to the, what I'm doing. I feel like that's also the same. It, it spurs me on. It keeps me going. It, and no matter how sort of trivial it might seem um, as a, a point in the day, it's something to talk about. It's a conversation because mm. we don't have as many things to talk about anymore. You know, it's like, what are you, we were saying, you know, create productions of Molly. You're saying, what are we up to this weekend? You're like, well, you know, it's, it's very limited. And actually I think we you know (laughs) it is you know it's like well we're yeah like we're gonna watch a film and what are you watching on Netflix and you know it's like we've all completed Netflix which we never thought would happen and I think I think just having having that connection with people even though they're far away and it's not physical actually has become it's become really special I think we're going to look back on this time and be you know take little silver linings from it despite all of the the sadness I guess just a very quick question, very quickly. What are you watching on Netflix? Where Where are you at? Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. So at the moment, we've got Bridgerton lined up. We have not yes. started it, and Start. we're in the middle of Marcella. We started watching, which has been pretty intense. I won't lie. Yeah. 
let's talk because what there's so much i mean i look i look at your portfolio jesus christ where do we begin um music music i always think well let's start from the beginning let's start from the very beginning the sound of music how <laughs> what you know i have a musical theater background i studied musical theater at the london studio center in 93 93 yeah 93 to 96 music has always been my life musicals I, i'm a sucker for musicals i can't help it when i hear gene kelly singing in the rain i have to tap dance even though i can't tap dance um I, all I wanted to be was a star in the West End. I always, and I left my country, Switzerland, to go and study musical theatre. I gave up everything, uh, beautiful Swiss life, a uh, very secure Swiss life, my family, to be on stage. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happened to me, because I'm not on stage at the moment, but you have been on stage, and you made it, and I'm, I'm just in awe that... Congratulations. I mean, it's just incredible to be able to sing for a living that you is, was that your first passion singing? Was that how you, you know, or was it ballet or was it musical theaters that inspired you? What was it as a child? That's a really, it's a really good question. And I think, you know, thank you for saying so many lovely words. That's really kind. I think for me, I, I always had um, a, just a kind of inner, I don't know, pull towards music. I grew up with music all around me, which I feel incredibly lucky to have had. And um, in particular, my mum's side of the family. And I had the passion of loving my sport and loving my music. And it was always the two of them. And I found that when I was at school, um, and I, again, was very lucky to have incredible opportunities to, to play sport and to enjoy music at school, but they always clashed. And I don't know why. And I always forever felt like it's you're either in one camp or the other. And I didn't understand that because I just I enjoyed and loved both. And I wasn't massively academic in that sense, but I just felt really creative. And and I, I just loved being around people in a team in terms of a sport. And I was really competitive and still am today. But I also loved singing in a group of people within a team. And, and I think that for me was what I fell in love with was singing with my friends. And, and I just loved harmonizing. I loved having music around me. And then it was only really people's reaction to when I started to sing on my own when I was sort of 14 or 13 or 14, that they had such an emotional response that I felt it was a really strange way of, I guess, of falling into to singing in terms of performance. And then I just fell in love with choral music because I grew up singing in church and and I just found all this music that was there that was amazing and I wanted to sing it and uh, kind of went from one thing to the next but I think I think I was very lucky with opportunities presented to me that I then obviously you know took hold of them and, and did everything I could to to drive my passion forwards but I also think a lot of that comes from wonderful people like teachers and and you know not necessarily just staff but singing teachers who see something and they want to create uh, an environment for you that's full of opportunity so I always feel very grateful for that as well um, and my I'm family too I have to say you know and this is really important because I, this is always the question with performers or actors. Who was your most inspiring teacher? Do you have one teacher who changed, turned you into who you are today, you know, or brought this spark out of you? Who, you know, did you have one singing teacher or multiple singing teacher? Was there a, a mentor? Did you have a mentor? Yeah, so I, I had a singing teacher um, called Sue Williams who 
was just the kindest soul I think I've ever known. And she just was really motherly and um, very calm in her approach with teaching me. And then I also had the complete opposite in my music teacher who I never saw eye to eye with, but he pushed me and he would present opportunities. And I remember he was the one that said, you should send this tape. It wasn't even a CD. It was a tape back then to send into <laughs> BBC Radio 2, um, a cassette tape of me singing. <laughs> and what was his name? Yeah. Come on, he has a name. Say it out loud. God. What was his, his name? His name is um, Mr. G- Mr. Goodrich or Rob Goodrich. And I, I had such a strange, strange relationship with him as my music teacher. But I have to say, I do owe him a, a great deal in terms of pushing my singing forward. So, yeah. It's incredible. The reason why I'm asking you this is, I mean, this podcast is also about me, just to let you know. No, uh, I love to connect. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to let you, so, so the listeners know that, you know. But it's, it is important because I want to connect the dots with you, which is very, important your te- you are who you are because of your teachers I think when you start very early uh, I was a classical uh, trained pianist but I only became that because I was pushed as an eight-year-old by a very strict teacher piano teacher called Mrs. Lustgarten she didn't even have a first name it's Mrs. Lustgarten I was gonna say yes yeah, <laughs> you know? she sounds scared I'm scared of her already <laughs> oh god don't worry she's dead now so it's anyway uh, but the thing is um no, but really, honestly, I um, I come from a, from a classical music background. My grandfather was a uh, soloist, my uh, violin soloist um, in, in Geneva, and wow. uh, my uncle as well. I grew up with chamber music, Bach, all of it. Oh, and we had a Steinway. We had a Steinway piano at my grandmother's house and I saw the piano and I knew I had to play the piano as a four-year-old. I just started just playing. But then when I met Mrs. Lustgarten at the age of eight, it it, it was hard because I, she wasn't a compassionate teacher. She was, she drove me to the edge as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12, 13, 14, all the way, no, up until 13, I had her. And yes, I could play Rachmaninoff by the age of 10 with those little hands, but I was a wreck. I was a nervous wreck because she made me feel guilty if I made a mistake or she would hit my palms or hit my hands or shame me and write terrible notes to my parents. And this is how I was pushed to become a pianist so I could, uh, not a pianist, but a, a great player to get into conservatory by the age of uh, 13, 14. Did, did you stop enjoying the music because of there that? There you go. Exactly. So when I finally changed teachers by the age of 14, I had this teacher called Urs Walter. Sorry, I'm, I shouldn't do this, but it, Urs Walter. It's the most Swiss name you can get. Urs Walter. It's, it's so boring. Urs Walter. Urs Walter. <laughs> Even the name itself is the most boring name. I knew I was going to get a really boring teacher. But in that time, what was boring to me is because he didn't punish me. He was kind, gentle. The first thing he did was breathing exercises with me, relaxation exercises. He gave me Debussy. Debussy, also we say Debussy in Switzerland, um, to play something soft and gentle. And I was so bored. I was so just bored. I just needed that that uh, in, that manipulation, that appraisal, darling, you're so wonderful, or darling, you're so terrible, you know. 
um, that I started to uh, not get interested anymore in playing. I stopped rehearsing. I stopped, you know, I used to play two hours a day and then suddenly it became one hour. And then, you know, I was a teenager and it's a shame uh, that this failed in a way because of the actually abuse of the first teacher because I could have gone very far uh, with my piano playing. And so I, my question is, you know, for you, it seems like you had uh, Mr. Nasty <laughs> who pushed you that extra bit, but he didn't manipulate you to break you. Am I correct? Yeah. And I think also I had, you know, yeah, Mr. Nasty is a great way of putting it. And then I had Mrs. Nice as well in that sense. So I had sort of this cross section of supportive and also then, you know, very driven. And mm. I think also what you've touched on as well is is probably a much bigger conversation around conservatoires and everyone's mm. experience of those places and, and how tough they can be because I studied at Royal College of Music and wow. there were times where I just thought I, I couldn't get it right and I just didn't I just everything was wrong and it was never good enough and all that kind of stuff but equally just like you've kind of alluded to I don't know if I well I know I wouldn't have changed it because it made me practice it made me want to be better it made me be a better singer and a better performer and realize actually I think the realization of how complicated your craft can be and that your craft is never quite finished it's never perfected and I think that's the great thing about music and it will be the downfall of many a performer because you just you're always looking for that perfection or that moment and I can say on stage I've had twice I've had moments where I've thought this while I've been singing like an out-of-body experience of oh my god this is absolutely incredible I couldn't be singing better I couldn't be feeling you know those moments but I mean twice in oh in 15 to 17 17 years and but I think that's really them. interesting um, that's incredible that you had that absolutely that out-of-body experience which is incredible I thought you were going to say I had that out-of-body experience where I thought it was absolute shit <laughs> it sounds pretty <laughs> awful you know I've Most had that too I've had no, that too <laughs> <laughs> a lot of performers always put themselves down in their own view. They're never good enough. You know, it's never good enough. It's never, it's never. I think there's definitely also a stigma attached to that with classical music in particular. Um, mm. Like I say, you know, your your craft is never is never perfect. But I also think there are moments, and and I know lots of other people feel the same, where there are there are glimpses of that perfection, or or perhaps it's that pure enjoyment. Like the one experience I'm thinking of was when I was stood on stage, and I was quite young, and it was my first time performing in an opera, and I was doing the role of Papagena so I had a really funny role within an opera within the magic flute and I was singing with a, a guy who was a very experienced singer a German guy and it was a um a, a company basically that brought amateur singers like myself at the time 15 16 and professionals together to sort of learn from each other and, and enjoy opera basically and it was amazing and I remember performing and I just it was fun it, it was nothing about learning or, or pressure or anxiety it was just fun and that moment on stage is yeah something I'll never forget it's a really lovely experience thanks for reminding me as well yeah yeah no, this is what it's all about we're 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 reminiscing uh, I wanted to ask you so how was it how did it feel like when you did perform the official you know anthem you know the national anthem for the England England rugby team I mean it's huge that stadium is massive how was how did you feel can you talk us through this yeah it's a very unique experience and I think it's one that 
I might say some performers won't necessarily enjoy like a, a concert or an opera or um, something where you are singing a complete set or perhaps, you know, something like you love musical theatre, something like that. Mm. Um, it's a very different and unique space to sing in. So in terms of preparation, you would, you know, obviously arrive early and have a rehearsal in the space. But within that time, there's there's no one there when you rehearse and do a sound check. So the sound is very different to how it is when the stadium's full so you're dealing with um, an acoustic that is very it's uncontrollable really so you're plugged in with in-ears and you have a monitor as well but it's that feeling of it's a very strange feeling that you are there to unite the crowd with the anthem to get everyone to sing but really in order to do that you have to almost be cut off from the crowd to stay in that correct rhythm in that timing and to just stay in your own space to be able to perform it so it's kind of a weird cross-section of things going on um and it's an amazing experience but it is one that is a lot of pressure and our anthem is I mean 55 seconds long so you don't have long to get it right <laughs> and I was just thinking what if it was virtual you know like <laughs> on zoom oh my <laughs> and they all have to join in with the anthem it's like well it's so funny I mean when I, I just keep saying like please could everyone mute themselves please 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 mute yourself but it is funny isn't it uh, but th so that's interesting so you actually are completely disconnected with the crowd <laughs> when you're supposed to your, yeah. your job is to connect them how weird yeah S so so did it feel like you were like a conductor on stage at that at that point, like you were conducting something rather than singing? Yeah, it's a really good way of describing it, actually. Exactly that. And I think you do feel... Uh, yeah, a sense of responsibility, which of course a conductor, you know, ha massively has that. Um, so yes, I'd say that's a really good way of describing it. I'd also say that it's um, a moment of of pride for a lot of people as well. So it's a moment of stillness and, and respect, and and that kind of brings the added edge of of that sort of a little bit of performance anxiety, and you know, those moments where you think, you know, if I if I fuck this up, then there could yeah. be repercussions here. Serious <laughs> but that's repercussions. What performers do, you know, we live on that. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just incredible. And I looked at you, uh, I saw the video and I said, oh my God, look at her upper arms. She either works out, she does a shtanga yoga or, or I don't know, kickboxing <laughs> or something like that. Jesus, your upper arms, everything is so well built and shaped and you're just a beauty. You're a hottie, you know that. And I was thinking how many guys would like to chat you up in that stadium? Jesus Christ, if you went down the pub with all these guys, you would be devoured. I mean, you're just, first of all, beautiful, can angelic I, Can voice. I tell you? Oh, oh go on. No. Can I tell you a funny, tell, a funny story? Tell me, which tell is, me. <laughs> so, so sometimes when I sing, they'll say we can give you uh, two tickets or, you know, I have three older brothers and obviously my dad is a huge rugby fan and um, we got my dad and one of my brothers and my husband uh, to come and watch. And my dad uh, had a, a stroke a few years ago, so it was oh. quite a big thing to get him there and, and all of the kind of logistics. So they were just super happy. We didn't know where the seats were. They were sort of somewhere completely random. Anyway, I went on to start singing and before the anthem, I normally sing Jerusalem. So there's sort of a, about a 10 minute period where I kind of go out and sing and whatever. And then yeah. essentially sat 
in front of my eldest brother Seamus so my brother's my mum's side's Irish they're called Seamus Paddy and Liam and Seamus the eldest (laughs) the eldest of the three was sat next to Harry my husband and in front of him this bloke starts saying yeah you know I've uh, I've taken her out on a date and you know yeah you know I know her like sort of mouthing (laughs) off to his mate anyway Seamus my brother like gets gets really protective and he's not the biggest guy but he's very tall and and quite slight anyway he sort of leans forward and in, into this guy's like ear and goes that's my sister you're talking about and then his friend <laughs> was like absolute kind of embarrassment and he was like you've never met her like you've never met her anyway it's just like, it's such a funny story there you go oh my god that's like the guy must have been so embarrassed oh this is great this is great yeah, I mean, exactly. anyway um, but um I'm, I'm just I'm just visualizing it. have you I mean I'm going to go into details now and if I'm allowed to because you have performed for the royal family have you obviously have you met Megan and Harry and all of them um have you have you had a chat with these um there's I think there's just this craziness that surrounds them in terms of publicity and, and interest isn't there that it's quite it's quite yeah daunting and and I certainly and like I certainly don't envy their position but I've met I've met all of them and I each time I meet them I'm amazed at how they present themselves and and the amount of people I always think they must meet and they always make you feel like they really are listening and they care and you know and I just think also to have that amount of pressure on you in Mm. your position in life that you didn't necessarily choose must be just crazy it's really crazy Mm. and Mm. so I think when I when I get the opportunity to sing it's a real sense of pride because I feel like I can I'm there doing something that I love and I'm passionate about and then if I get the opportunity to talk to them I just get really nervous and try and say the right thing (laughs) how funny so you don't have the stage fright uh performing in front of the queen but you are scared to talk to them (laughs) is that right or uh, where does the nerves come in I think yeah, I think you kind of, in my mind, I think I'm obviously really nervous, but I think, you know, that's my job. That's what I'm here to do. And also with notes on a page in music, it's very clear whether there's a right or wrong. But then if it's a conversation and you don't quite know how it's going to go, you don't know what they're going to ask you and you sort of want to come across in the best possible way. And I guess mm. there's that that makes it a bit more nerve wracking, perhaps. I don't know. Really? How interesting, because I love talking, but I I, I sorry if I may say, shit myself on stage in front of the Queen, I wouldn't be able to get a word out. I wouldn't be able to sing anything. I'd be terrified just to think she's sitting there and listening, you know, but talking is easier for me. I don't know. It's a weird thing. So I'm surprised. So so it comes quite easy to you, this performing. It's just a natural thing for you. And I've watched you on YouTube when you sing Pocahontas. What's that song? The first one, your favourite. Colours of the Wind. Yes, can you can you do sing that very quick? Yeah. Just not the whole thing, just the beginning. You think I'm Oh, you think you own whatever land you land on. The earth is just a dead thing you can claim. But I know every rock and tree and creature has, has a life, has a spirit, has a name. Oh, it's such oh, a great song. God. <laughs> Robbie just perked up. He said, wow, I didn't know I, you could sing, Mom. I didn't know you could sing. It's not me. It's not me. It's Laura. I'm Hi, so Robbie. Uh, Robbie. Robbie, he actually, can I say something? Robbie listened to that song and his little head was there. He put his chin forward and he listened to your YouTube and it was surprising how his little eyes closed he you have a special voice and I 
I want to get slowly into our dog, you know, the subject, our dogs and maybe the music combined. Um, how does Rocky respond when you're rehearsing? How, does he like you singing? Does he like you performing? At yeah, home? he's very chilled. Like he's so he's um, as I as you mentioned at the start, in fact, he's a Springer dog. So he's a, a Mongol breed. He's cross, you know, he's got that sort of Springer Spaniel uh, excitement and then he's got that lab kind of uh, greediness as we all know but also that real kind of docile gentle um, side to him so when he's out and kind of on walks and you know if he's off the lead he'll just run and run and run and the smells and the sounds and he's really alert and then when he's at home he's very relaxed and, and very kind of sleepy and chilled and when I sing he'll just move around the room. So he kind of, if he doesn't like the song or if it's a bit high, he'll sort of move towards the door. And if he likes it, he'll stay where he is and fall asleep. And he's very, you know, he's very chilled. And it's been a, a massive shift having obviously a child as well um, oh, yeah. with him. And, and we were really, yeah, we, yeah, I think the music has been really useful for that because Ottilie's reaction, because I sang right the way up until I was, well, she arrived quite early. So I was, you know, the day before I'd done a gig before she arrived. And oh I God. think that for wow. me, like, the music has been a constant for her and for Rocky throughout, which has been really nice for them both. Did your singing skills help with giving birth? You know, the inhale and the exhale? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's such a, I think giving birth and and you know that experience and also being pregnant is such an individual thing for each person and I I'm always quite wary of kind of saying I love talking about my experience but I also am quite wary of saying anything that I felt was a you know was a helpful tool because it's so individual but I think for me I knew that from my mum's experience that it could happen quite quickly even though it was my first I knew that um I loved being active and staying active throughout my pregnancy. And I just yes. tried to, you know, and I, and I tried to stay calm. But, you know, at the end of the day, also, I think what's incredible about pregnancy and giving birth is that your body takes over, you know, it's, it's your body does what it needs to do. But I, no doubt about it that my breathing from singing, I think, definitely helped. Absolutely. Mm. Um, for me personally. Yeah. And if we're going back to Rocky also, uh, how did you get Rocky? Uh, I, I think you mentioned he was a present from your husband Harry or uh, yeah how, yeah were, were you prepared for a dog did you prepare your life beforehand for a dog or was it a yeah so we we um we got him from a breeder in Lancashire and we got him when he was eight weeks old and um as as you mentioned Harry kind of it was a sort of around Christmas time and, and we'd moved in together. And I think actually for most people, it was quite early to get a dog. But having said that, we'd both grown up with dogs. Harry's mum and dad have a dog, um, have always had dogs in that sense. And we'd always be there and be part of that with them. And, and the same for my mum and dad too. So, and also growing up in the countryside with lots of animals. And and I think we felt like actually that was just something that we, we knew we wanted to do. Um, it's always a bit of a kind of learning curve having a puppy, isn't it? You know, and, mm. and adapt, adapting to that. But also I think Oh, just I'm so delighted we have him and as our first dog. Like I just, I just, I couldn't think of a better dog for us, and and hopefully he thinks that about us too. <laughs> I always wonder what they think. That's the question. I mean, at the moment, I if if Robbie could talk, what would he say about me? You know, like we've been together throughout this whole lockdown. He's he's you know twenty four seven, like. 
sometimes I just, does he ever want to have a day off, a day out, or a, a divorce, or, you know, if they could only speak to us. I do feel guilty that he has taken on a lot of stress because of the lockdown. It's been extremely hard. I live on my own, so I don't have a partner, and I have nothing to bounce off other than the odd phone call with my friend or a walk, like I said. But sometimes I feel like he's holding all my emotions do you think dogs do that could they do you think they carry us oh. definitely definitely and I also want to say the fact that you've been on your own with Robbie like you're my hero because there are I just I I cannot think about how much time you spent on your own and how hard that must have been in recent months and I think you're amazing for talking about it for thank you it makes me feel quite emotional because I yeah I just think about people who are who are on their own and at the moment I oh I just I just think you're you're my hero for for doing that and I think yes dogs take it on they take it on their shoulders and they're just there and they're the constant in our lives and I know you know, we had great plans for how we'd introduce Ottilie into our life because Rocky was our first little little baby. You know, he was mm. and he has been there with us throughout. And every time we raise our voices, his ears go back and he reminds us that actually he's sensitive and he's aware. And, and also every time we'll kiss or we'll cuddle, he'll be right there with us and want that love and attention yes. too. And they share in everything they do. And, and I think they take the weight of the world on their shoulders and they still... I, they still I have this image in my head of a calendar and I read it with this little meme about dogs and every day they live their best life they do mm, and they're just they really the best example I think for us so mm. yeah and it must be a little disconcerting as a mother you know that you, you you have a baby during this pandemic are you are you concerned about Ottilie's future and things like that I mean have you are you a dark thinker you know the the future is bright the future is orange the future is black you know like have you had any concerns being, being a, a new mom yeah definitely I think yeah yeah, definitely. I think also I've been through my own sort of ups and downs of figuring out how to be a mum, which I think lots of mm. new mums are going through. And I worry that they're going through that in a, a lonely way. And it should be, you know, much more supported at the moment uh, through yes. no one's fault, of course. But I think also, yeah, I, I do worry about just her uh, interacting with other babies, you know, and and, yes. and her world being full of, of people her own size and, and people who interact with her in her own way. But I also think we're doing the best we can we're providing her with you know as much time outdoors as we can as much mm. interaction and at the moment we're as I say in between houses so we're living with my mum and dad so actually she's had this special time with her grandparents and I'm really grateful for that so yeah I try to stay positive but as I say I'd say color wise I, I go between black and bright orange all the time <laughs> somewhere in between <laughs> that's all right that's all right just another advert for the future what is it for orange you know the future is orange black white yeah no, no sorry I mean <laughs> yeah. orange the future is orange sometimes black but then back orange. to orange you know what I mean uh yeah I can understand it I wanted to also um how does your daughter respond to Rocky how does Rocky interact with her how do they do they have eye contact does he lick her face do you allow it you know how's the interaction there what how do you allow the whole it's thing? amazing like I'm smiling yeah. yeah no I'm smiling because it, it it always amazes me and he so from you know 
first thing in the morning if we're giving her a bottle of milk he'll just sit in between my legs and just sit there and he'll just or lie or whatever he'll just be you know protective and just be there um and then obviously when she's now crawling around and sort of learning how to walk at the moment uh he'll just again sort of wander around her lick her ears and sort of try to say hello and she'll kind of close her eyes because she knows now that his tail's very waggy so she's sort of aware that she kind of wants and then you see her excitement so you see her hands kind of grip in and try to sort of cuddle him and we're teaching you know we teach her that she has to be gentle and mm. how soft his ears are and, and just mm. it's gorgeous to see it really is it's lovely and and Rocky's never growled or anything at her at some point where she, she no would, not once no, not once no right? I'd say no I'd say the biggest the biggest change or impact on him which which obviously we couldn't have foresaw was that when I went into labour I was at home and it as I said happened quite quickly and actually I think my sort of noises from contractions that's what I think had a bit of a long-lasting impact on him so I notice now if I make a noise that is you know that I might be in pain he's quite aware and quite hypersensitive to that and that I think that's the only thing I would have gone back and changed I wouldn't want him to have heard that because he is quite a sensitive dog and and I think that sometimes he gets a bit worried but equally I suppose that's brought out his protective side as well so yes Rocky 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 I can just see Rocky's face when you talk about and and does he have a favorite song is there a song that you sing uh sing uh that sing for him to go to sleep or is there is there a favorite song that he likes you know like a good good... do you know what I think I think he loves he loves music being around the house and he loves that you know he's also got that side of things where he likes to be kind of he likes that obedient training of things as well I think he likes sort of being interested in in not tricks but you know if it's sort of like learning different things even now at his age he's six and a half now and I think it's nice for him to be engaged in that way like I always wanted to take him to an agility course but in terms of music I think he he loves music being around but actually for me it's more about calmness and quietness and stillness with him I just love having those little moments where it's just me and him or or you know Harry the same and and he'll just have that time with him take him out for a walk on her own and just make him feel really loved and yeah special so so that brings me straight actually into doga so you know i'm the founder of doga yoga for you and your dog i came up with a yoga i do i love this it's so amazing (laughs) people think i'm mad but i came up with this uh concept of yoga for humans and for dogs it's actually yoga for you and your dog it's not doga someone else came up with the word with the name Doga and she is in Miami she's the founder of Doga but actually my I, I wrote a book and it's called Doga Yoga for You and Your Dog I always distinguish the two things because people like to call it dog yoga and it isn't dogs don't need yoga in per se they, do, they don't need the yoga poses although they do upward dogs and downward dogs and stretches but there's something like you just said in being still peaceful quiet calm and obviously yoga provides you this 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 is what yoga does when you practice yoga you get to that place hopefully and having your dog around you in the practice is uh beneficial to him as much it is for you because you're interconnected 
completely interconnected and entwined. Your central nervous systems are entwined. So does that make, um, what do you think? Would that be something you would explore maybe sometime? Or do you think it makes sense? Or do you disagree? No, I, I agree completely. And actually, you know, since obviously all of us or most of us have been working from home and and taking businesses online as well. My husband uh, works in the fitness industry and he's been doing a lot of coaching online and, and we always have Rocky there. He's he's either asleep in his bed that's next to where Harry teaches or he will wander around and be involved. And, mm-hmm. and it, not, he never really is disruptive, you know, only occasionally if he hasn't had the, you know, he hasn't been out for a walk. It's more that he just likes to be part of it and he likes mm-hmm. to be involved and and so it's really interesting actually that you know you're saying it's that connection between the two and I can totally see how it's it's beneficial for the for the dog as much as it is for you and when I work out I love I love being on on the floor on his level I think that's really nice I feel that's like exactly. there's a connection there where you're in their world and I think that I've learned that having a, a child as well like if you come into their world instead of trying to get them to come into yours I think you get so much more out of it absolutely I just wanted to say because a, a lot of people who try my classes on zoom they seem to have some sort of expectation that something will happen straight away and you can't because you it's not your yoga class it's your dog's yoga class as much as it is your session but the the most important transfer is is that you focus on the self drawing your senses inwards which is part of yoga is to draw uh, the mind inwards meaning controlling the senses smell taste hearing touch everything it starts turning inwards through breathing technique and obviously postures so when you get to that place eventually the dog will feel that and may want to come into that space but he can also go away and sit on the sofa and watch you because that's what he may want to do because it's his body it's his senses it is his uh ego if you if a dog has an ego a self it's his space it's his right and i think people are still struggling to understand there's a an animal world and a human world that is equal we're equal to each other we need to really respect that as humans You know, you don't have to be an owner in that moment. You don't have to own your dog to do something that pleases you. But that's very hard. It's quite a strong philosophy, Doga. And uh, sometimes it is. But I, I, I agree with you completely, though. I think you're so right because. You know, I I work with a conservation charity, and and I talk to so many people who work there about that. It's really interesting that you kind of touch on that sense of ownership, and just because we feel like we're a higher being because of having more intelligence or or more tools to hand to create that power, we feel somehow that then dogs or other animals are subservient, and they're not. And actually, you, I genuinely think and believe that you get the most out of having a dog or, or an animal in that you know in any kind of way by being like we were saying being on their level and coming into their world and I have the most fun with Rocky when I act like I'm free and and playful and you know then at the other times quiet and calm and really the emotions that he's putting out there as well so I, I agree with you completely and I would love to see more people adopt that philosophy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, it's Ben Bidwell here, otherwise known as The Naked Professor. I'm popping up to say the brand new series of The Naked Professor's podcast is now live. We're all about having deep and vulnerable discussions about what's really going on and how people are really feeling and dealing with the challenges in their lives. Each episode features a roundtable of incredible guests. You can expect to hear things like this. You know, the father I was a year ago is different to the father I am now. Past months have been more up and down than I've ever experienced. My stress levels have been elevated since the show came out. I've been working really hard to try and hold the good and the bad in my life at the moment. These conversations are more important now than ever before. So if you want to tune in, and subscribe to the Naked Professors podcast wherever you found this one. Um, so cutting a long story short, again, with trauma, with all this, we can't force anything. And um, sometimes I feel that we like to uh, project onto our children or onto our adults and say uh sorry excuse me yeah she's very scared oh no yeah he's very anxious he's a rescue dog we already put a label on that animal yeah we don't allow (laughs) them to to be to to be nervous to be barky to be that's a reflection of the 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 owner and what they're trying to also kind of protect from themselves from as well hundred percent laura the whole thing is you it starts with you doesn't it you're covering up and you're excusing your dog's behavior because you think it's not all right so because maybe in the past your behavior wasn't okay (laughs) you know what i mean like you're excusing something you don't even need to excuse i always see these people and they're excusing and then the dog starts to start getting more nervous you know it's it's um it's really they feed off what you're feeling as well. Exactly. They're aware of what you're projecting. So then the whole situation gets worse. And, you know, I've had to, uh, you know, when you've got a dog or and a baby at the same time and, and maybe you're walking and you really have to let your, it's hard, but you've got to let your guard down and let them interact and, and let them get to know each other. And, you know, and, and I, I suppose that starts also with the, the trust within the animal as well, I guess. In the animal as well. And I'm a trust that uh, you're not you know i mean we think people will criticize us for bad behavior you know where does uh, most people are okay but they're creating a platform for already tension 
Do you know what I mean? What I noticed often in the park, you know, if you have a rescue or people meet and one dog is a bit more, you know, or a bit more aggressive, whatever they want to call it. Uh, usually what I say to people is owners should look each other in the eye and have the conversation, an open conversation. Usually the dogs just fall into place afterwards. You just fall. Mm. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, for example, I bump into somebody with a rescue dog and they go, oh, sorry. Yeah, he's a rescue. I just got him. And yeah, yeah. Sorry. He's jumping up. And I said, listen, stop saying sorry. Just let's talk. Relax your hand. Drop the palm. Let go of the lead and look at me and let's keep talking because they're going to figure each other out. And it happens within about two minutes. It's fine. Dog's fine with Robbie. And when we don't really care, they're like, okay, fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's something to do with protection, obviously. And the dog will feel that person who is tense and they will protect them, especially if they have been a rescue dog with trauma. They will protect their owners because the owner uh, is, uh, they don't have a sense of self. The owner is their self. That's the crazy thing. Just like children, you know, a two-year-old let's say a one-year-old up until two, they probably don't have a sense of self. You are the self to them. Do you know what I mean? You as a mother are their being. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're only just starting to figure out, you know, gravity and senses and things like that. And and actually what all they've known for, for their whole life and up until the point they're born as well is that you are that person who is the ultimate sort of carer and and you are yeah you are their self and just as you say so it's a big it's a big transfer of figuring all of that stuff out while developing as well themselves um and their personality and all that kind of stuff but you do you have to allow them to do that and I can imagine you you and your your voice is so pure it's so beautiful and so comforting. When people meet you in the park, they already feel relaxed with their dogs. So everybody, everybody's just, <laughs> you just relax everybody. I just, I just can feel that. And we're almost running out of time, but I wanted to talk about your podcast. Can you very quickly, just some, what is your podcast all about? Because this is, this oh, is so thank fascinating. You yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's. Well, it's about um, a mixture of things. So we have guests on uh, and we're actually now doing a few more episodes that are sort of delving into um, why music makes us feel a certain way and, and the emotions that are attached to music for us individually and and how music can sort of pinpoint a, a memory and a time in your life. And it can be really quite visceral and real when you hear that music to go back to that place and, and just how different people's lives are connected through music um but also just bringing a little bit of education in as well around you know my experience within music and trying to sort of say in layman's terms I guess what's happening in a song and why it makes you feel sad or happy or excited or angry so yeah it's been such a pleasure and I'm desperate to get you on as a guest so you have to promise me that you'll do that (laughs) I so promise because I just wanted to say this is a podcast I want to listen to I could listen. (laughs) What a great concept. Who are your guests? Do you get composers on the show or uh, who do you invite? I mean, who do you have on the... Well, we sort of, it's... Yeah, it started with lots of friends. So friends of mine who are who I know who work in, you know, a lot of them started with sporting events. So sportsmen and women like Sam Quek, who is actually going to be a mum soon as well. Um, Helen Skelton is a very good friend of mine. We had uh, the amazing Joss Stone on and she was just (gasps) an absolute angel. And she sang along with the songs and was just such a 
kind of light as well it was beautiful um yeah so we've had some some really nice guests and people who I like I say people who are friends and who I really feel that connection with so lots of musicians but also you know I had my one of my closest friends Peanut uh, her name's Georgina but everyone calls her Peanut and uh, <laughs> she's CEO of David Shepherd Wildlife Foundation so I wanted to talk to her about growing up with an artist for a grandfather and a mother and, and how music and art kind of intertwine and and how the conservation world you know at places where they work in Africa how music is just so intertwined in their culture and things like that so it's it's quite vast what you can talk about but I'd love to talk to you about how you know you've grown up with so much music in your life and and being an incredible performer but I'd love to hear more about that it'd be great oh dear oh my god I don't know if I can sing we're gonna go there money we're gonna go there yeah (laughs) I'm hiding and this is my other yeah another part of me (laughs) it's another (laughs) I was just another part of me (laughs) anyway yes you get me singing I can't stop I'm one of those people you just can't I'm you know what at a party I'm the one on the table dancing kicking my legs it's just it's embarrassing uh, yeah <laughs> I love to sing and I love to perform it's definitely not embarrassing it's being free it's being free and I think we all need that right now as well we so. need it I can't wait for my first oh god anything karaoke bar a reopening of a karaoke disco whatever rave I don't care tell me a little bit about the charity that you're um an ambassador for yeah, so um, I work with lots of different charities and I had, you know, a wonderful experience with Guide Dogs where I was invited to um, their sort of big training facility, um, which is, it's like their their kind of breeding centre. And I got invited along to sort of see, obviously you get to see these gorgeously cute puppies, but also you learn about how they're, how they're bred, how they're looked after, how many also volunteers are so important within that process for them. And how they're then trained and they'll have owners who train them and then give them back that then obviously it's with a guide dog it's quite a long process as you can imagine to then get that dog to a place where it can genuinely change someone's life so they really need that funding to be able to do that and you can sponsor a puppy you can help with training the puppies you can I don't think you can visit the center at the moment because of covid but I when I was there I if you do get to visit it, I would highly recommend doing a sensory experience that they have where you can experience what it's like for a blind person or a partially sighted person. You know, you can experience something about what it might be like to lose your sight. And then also if you go outside, I had this incredible experience of having a guide dog take me for a walk, essentially. So I could maybe go to the shops or whatever it might be and it was one of the most emotional things I think I've ever done um so having that experience and just for a moment feeling what it might be like for my other senses to have one of my main senses taken away was mad it was mad and um yeah I think it's a vital thing you know that they get funding and they carry on doing what they're doing so and it's it's something also quite personal to me because my mum is partially blind and she can't go out. Obviously, nighttime you can forget it, but she can barely barely walk anymore um, properly without tripping. She can't see floorboards. She can't see shadows, uh, and she's still very much in denial. But we have been talking about a dog. We have been talking about a a guide dog, and she is she's seventy five now, so she's thinking about it slowly i just don't know what the procedure is with partial um blindness and with a dog partially sighted. i think yeah. you still you know she would have an amazing um 
chance there to be able to really improve her her quality of life as well and to be able mm. to move around and, and have more independence you know and I think it's just as someone who is um completely blind someone who's partially sighted you know they they guide dogs absolutely help both both people in that sense mm. so I think it's something that is what so worthwhile and you know you're you know how know. incredible dogs are and how amazing Absolutely. it would be for your mum yeah and I would love to reach out to a charity to discuss this at some point um I was just going to ask is it any age I mean you're not too old to get a blind dog is that correct I don't believe so yeah no, I don't believe that's so that's really great to hear well, I mean, I hope she's not listening to that podcast. I'm not going to send her the link. <laughs> sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom, that I'm sharing this with the rest of the world. But it is my biggest concern. And obviously, we all love our mummies. It's because and you care. Yeah. I care. I love her. And, you know, we, oh, God, we've got to round this up. And how can we round up this conversation? But just through love. <laughs> and love. Doga is love. So we're now going to go for some guidance. Doga. Robbie and I will guide you each step of the way. Sit back and listen to Laura Wright's beautifully sung Play Chant by Hildegard von Bingen, an amazing female composer for the 16th century, who was an incredibly spiritual woman. start hearing me breathing deeply so in yoga we close our lips and we try and breathe through our nose deeply so I'm just gonna do the sound you can hear it it's called ujjayi breathing 
spine. So slowly inhale through the nose. Slowly exhale through the nose. So if you want to maybe bend your knees and keep your knees at a 90 degree angle where your heels are touching the buttocks, allowing the lower back to settle into the ground. You can place your hands on your diaphragm or in your belly, one hand on your belly and one hand on your upper chest. So you get the feel of your diaphragm, this incredible breathing muscle. And the breathing is a bit like Darth Vader. So you can go quite loud into it, Laura. You can, we can, we can hear you slowly inhale. Yeah, it's drawing the breath up. Up into the upper lungs, upper chest, and exhale. So we're trying to breathe into the navel into the upper chest slowly so starting from the belly even the pelvic floor starting from the pelvic floor up into the navel then into the upper chest for that last residue of the inhale and exhale long deep breaths it's all about the length of your breathing drawing the breath from the tailbone up into the navel into the upper chest which is a little harder just allowing it to drop 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 feeling the belly expanding like a balloon exhaling down Now just imagine you could breathe into Rocky. So maybe one hand on Rocky now, if your hand reaches to Rocky, and then continue the breath, one hand on the belly. Slowly inhaling. slowly exhaling and you find your shoulder blades start to descend into the earth allowing your blades this is where we hold a lot of tension a lot of emotional stuff in the shoulders like guilt resentment anything fear exhale so as you make that connection with your dogi you're the yogi and the dog is the dogi if you can slide your hand up under your dog's shoulder blades and in the same time allowing your shoulder blades to drop and sink down you may find a little connection here as you continue to inhale and exhale And what's interesting is that between the shoulder blades of the dog is an incredible, strong, powerful energy point. It's called the solar plexus. 
and it's just underneath the shoulder blades of your own dog so you can maybe go slightly go in and underneath his blades and just start start massaging around the blades just find the spot that you feel is right it might be a different place you know it's just sort of just suggesting the area what is very happy beautiful and as you keep breathing you can even hover your palm of your hand two inches above his shoulder blades and just breathe into the palm so the goal is is to go into your body first and then sort of release and distribute that work onto your dog's body. So there's a connection, you become one entity. And of course, if the dog pulls away, it's maybe because of your breathing or maybe because of the energy that you're releasing through the palm of the hands. So maybe they're sensitive and that's fine. Then go somewhere else with the palm. You've got to be very, very creative, intuitive, breathing in. breathing out most importantly go back into yourself always go back into yourself into your body first just feel the shoulder blades dropping the diaphragm expanding feel a sense of ease in your heart freedom in your navel freedom to express And anything that you start feeling, anything that you sense that you're releasing, you can sort of release onto the dog at the same time. You're sending those waves through the palm of your hands or the tips of your fingers, depending if you're massaging or just... You will find your mind is becoming stiller. Maybe it doesn't race so much anymore. Coming more into the present moment. And because you have the most amazing voice, we're going to add the Shanti Mantram today. The Om Shanti 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 Mantram. So what we're going to do is just continue with the breath to take a deep inhalation and then follow my lead with the voice and you can sing along. Inhale. Oh. Fred. 
and inhale everybody again. And last one, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, together. Oh, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Shanti means peace in Sanskrit. And you can do Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti anytime you're in distress. Your dog, just Om Shanti, Shanti. And on that note, I bow my head, I bow my paws and my palms to Laura Wright. Na Ma Pa. Namako. Thank you. Thank you so much. Laura, thank you so much. How are you feeling? Oh, it's just so nice to lie with Rocky. That he's so chilled. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's just so nice, though, to have Rocky here. Really nice. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Namaste. Namaste. Thanks for listening to Conversations with My Dog. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. And talking of spreading the news, please tell another person about the podcast and help us reach more people and dogs. We'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next week. Namapaw. 